This is a HeadGum Podcast. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, halflings! It's me! Leander Nazi Lewis Nyao, and today I am joined by <laughs> Jeremy Cobb. But BK calls me a corn cutie. Oh my god, I love a corn cutie. Yeah. Do you do I you love- know the reference? No, I don't know the reference. Please uh, lay it on me. It's a reference to the very first season of Dimension 20 in mm. the sh- their show oh, Fancy yes, the High. Corn, the, the corn kitties in, yeah. the, in the in the in the um mess hall, like the, the yeah, dining in the hall. lunchroom. Yeah. In the lunchroom, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I do yeah. know that reference. Took yeah. a while to get around to it, though. Yeah, that's really cool. I love I, it. I honestly kind of wish that I had saved that for when we had, like, Brennan come back on the show or, like, another that Dimension been, 20 yeah, cast member. That would have been great, but, it's, you know. It's too late. Somebody else make a Dimension 20 reference. Somebody leave a yeah. nickname and make a Dimension 20 reference, please. Yeah. So I, I can mean, say it. Yeah, exactly. It It is what it is. Um, so today, as you may have noticed, our lovely Jasper is away doing lovely life things and long made this happy familial joy reign. Um, but um, you've just got me. Uh, the, and also the, me. I'm also and, still here. Yeah, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> I left immediately and, yeah. after. <laughs> you just got me. Jeremy wanted to stay for the intro, but, yeah, but he, yeah, he he's, he's not interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess that was me like managing my anxiety about like actually like doing the host thing because usually I just sit here and laugh at you two. But I'm going to be responsible for segues and maybe some comedy. Oh my God. Uh, That's a big it's okay. I think, I think we can just, it be, since it's a duo, I think it becomes more of a bouncing back and forth. Well, it's like, like a tennis game. Yeah, you know, yeah. like a little bit of... Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god! This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragons. <laughs> Full prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black! Cake glitches and bitches! And lands in the cusp of a teaspoon? Oh no! On a nat 20. No! You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it! Get into something real big now. So today we thought since we had um, was it a was it a Patreon app? We were like talking about food and stuff. No, no, no that was no, that was, was our anniversary app. episode. Yeah. We were talking about yeah. soups. Soups. And apparently some of y'all want to keep hearing me talk about food. And honestly, if you want to keep if you want to keep Leander Nati Lewis now talking, ask her about food. I love food. I'm a thick bitch. I love to eat. I love to cook. So like, if y'all want to hear about food, I can talk about that until the cows come home. Is Norma here? Is Norma uh, here from our home yes. game? We should, okay, we should actually, that's a, a relevant topic. We should talk yeah. a little bit about Norma because... Yeah. 
Today, well, the today's topic uh, is not just food uh, in general, but also uh, we will be relating it to food in various fantasy and science fiction works, as well as food in the world of D&D and how the use of food uh, differs between. And when I say this use of food, people are generally just eating food, but the use of food is like a symbol for things. Yeah. Changes from medium to medium, as well as Mm. essentially from real life to fictional settings. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, if I think about like my sort of Black South African, Guni Tri, Tosa and Zulu upbringing, um, food is central. Um, and I apologize to any vegans here, and this might be a trigger warning, but like the, the ritual slaughtering of animals, um, we have a very like different relationship to livestock even, and that actually forms part of our rituals. So yeah, we can get into that from a cultural perspective. That was cool. It was a, it, I was not expecting to ramp up all the way to ritual slaughter, but I'm glad that you did. On that topic, uh, ritual slaughter, um, as a, as a Christian, uh, there is in the old Testament or the Jewish Bible, uh, mm. the, there are a lot like there's the, the book of Leviticus mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to some degree Deuteronomy as well. Uh, mm-hmm. two of the earliest books of the Bible, um, yeah. have extensive instructions yeah. on various ways to kill animals and sacrifice animals, uh, which yeah. animals you can and cannot eat, uh, how, yeah. like what these animals represent. It holds a uh, huge significance in a, across a number of different cultures, uh, yeah. ritual slaughter and sacrifice. And the, the, cause in many of these cases, this food actually was consumed. Like the meat yeah. of the animals was consumed. I mean, heck the first, the first, um, the first murder in the Bible takes place over food between yeah. Cain and Abel. Uh, yeah. It's it's absolutely uh, culturally relevant, uh, I think, to a huge number of cultures. Exactly. And I and I think like when you touched on that bit about like the the animal or, you know, the creature is consumed, like in my culture, like every single part of it, my dude. So like the flesh, the hide, the horns, the hooves, the bones, you know, that would be used for ritual masks, ceremonies that would go to our sangomas. Like you must use it. Has to it has to be value. You have to basically, yeah, you have what to is it? Value the Tom it, Hanks yeah. earn yeah. this. You earn yeah. it in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. That's the animal as you're like looking mm. up at you. The animal takes on the face of Tom yeah. Hanks. And, 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 yeah. and you must. So a lot of those same concepts existed mm-hmm. in a lot of European cultures back in the day. And I think to some yeah. degree, I mean, certainly surrounding food and food preparation, yeah. it still holds immense significance for a lot of mm. cultures. Mm. Uh, I have some uh, Italian friends, one of whom mm. you've met, and yeah. I know that food is a legitimately touchy subject. Like yeah. in in America, we joke about how important food is to Italians, but yeah. then, like, actually speaking to them, I'm like, "Oh no, no, this is legit!" Like, you- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I found my first segue. Boom, and I, I, I announced it, and so now it's on no, no longer a segue. No, call um, your segues. Call your segues. We not call my segue. So. And that's an important thing to talk about is like the, the, the value that food holds in the center of any home. My favorite room in any house is the kitchen. Mm. Second to like the pantry slash larder, if you've got one, if you're bougie enough. Um, or like just have one of those like old houses, right? That's falling right. apart. Um, but I think, I think that, I think, and I'm going to tie this back to D&D in that, and I'm going to tie back to D&D with a slight small interjection of a tale from the table. Mm. So when I was playing with the, with the, um, uh, um, 
Uh, is this the game that you that you're? Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. The game. I run a game. Uh, I've talked oh, about no, no, it no, many no, times. No, 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 not, not not that game. We're going to get there. Not that um, game. We're throwing that okay, game cool. out the window. Where that <laughs> game doesn't exist. Um, Please continue game, what you were saying. The first game um, that where I was on a plantation. Oh In that yes, game, the, the legendary plantation, game. plantation yeah, the yeah. infamous really plantation yeah, game. Yeah, game. So there was a point where like I was obviously playing this roguey character, and I and um, we were looking for a place to sleep for the night, and I was like, "Mole, my rogue." like sleeps like wherever like you know in the in the stables whatever the case may be and i found a lamb and then i took um some time in game uh to role play me wrestling this lamb and then you know slaughtering it um and saying thanks for its sacrifice but then brying it outside and then i had these beautifully roasted like chunks of meat on me um to the annoyance, great annoyance of my party members, because of course there's a way that you play D and D with some people, and this is very much like kind of like old white man table, which <laughs> totally fine, totally fine. Like I'm not disparaging it, but it was a yeah. bit like they didn't understand that I was like kind of role playing a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important character building. It's important character, but like I will say this for that DM, he did remember when we went into the pit of spiders um, that I was carrying roast lamb on me, and Ooh. that became a thing where I fucked the party because they're like they smell you coming. Oh, I was like yeah. no, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. But also over and above that, when I did. Um, uh, the the first watch with Andrew Coombs. Mm-hmm. Um, I made it a point now. So there's a magic item. It's a, a it's a spice. I have pouch. a whole list of them. Yes, Wait. I got the spice pouch. I got a list of every single every single food related item that I can find yeah. in D anD D. Heward's handy spice pouch. I always have Heward's handy spice pouch because um, for me, like as a flavor thing, it's great. But also, like, the character that I played was very much like a mercenary, dark tiefling, um, half rogue, half fighter build, like, 12 levels, so, like, kind of, like, well-managed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made sure that I got the spice pouch, and it was like, okay, what spices do you want in it? And I was like, and you get eight charges, right? So I was like, two need to be, like, the strongest black pepper you can find. Mm. Two need to be, like, red chilies. The other two need to be sumac. And then the other two need to be like a mix of ground ginger, chili and garlic, because that's the trifecta of any flavor profile in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't get an opportunity to use this in game. But like in my head, I was like, if we get into a sticky situation and we're surrounded and I can use my reaction to tell everybody to close their eyes and look away, I can just grab a handful of pepper and go. <sighs> yeah. Like, right? And then, that's you know what awesome. I mean? And then like thaumaturgy, like, fucking set it alight or something like yes. oh what if i had flour on me like i could be like like a little yes. like bomb right because technically that makes sense yeah. food can be an integral part of your gameplay and i love making because like because i love food it bleeds into all my characters mm. <laughs> like you know with noma yeah i think that uh is a great transition into mm. The way that food is depicted in Dungeons and Dragons. But I think before we get to that, it might even be worth looking at some of the roots of Dungeons and Dragons and the way that food is depicted there. Food is, for those of you who have read the Lord of the Rings books, because obviously Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings is the single biggest influence on Dungeons and Dragons and on the Mm. fantasy genre, basically, in the... Since the uh, since they were published, they have been yeah. the single biggest yeah. influence on the fantasy yeah. genre. Those books have a ton of food descriptions. 
uh, like you hear yeah. a lot about the yeah. different, you hear a lot about, and there's a number of food scenes. The uh, meals. It's yes. Breakfast. Second, second breakfast. Second the breakfast, whole, like there's the a whole thing. thing. There's a, a, a codified list of all the different meals that hobbits have, uh, which you don't and I go. I live by that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go into it as much in the movies, but yeah. even so, you still talk about Lembus bread, which is this yeah. delicious bread that as soon as you eat it, it fills you up for the day. The elven bread. Uh, it's mm. like, it, it feels like an expression of the elves this like eternal these they're very eternal and elegant so of course they're not going to yeah. eat these huge feasts uh they yeah. they're just eat a little bit and i'm full uh, uh, <laughs> i eat a little bit and i'm full and then i drink a martini and yeah. i'm you know, like a single oh, bite I, mm. yeah like it's giving me it's giving me oh what is that wonderful woman's name in um arrested development um oh Lindsay booth blue oh, yes, yeah. uh is it the Lindsay mom, or the, the mom? mom? The mom. The mom. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember the mom's name. Jessica oh, Walter played her, though. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Jessica Oof. Walter. R.I.P. She's amazing. And she does an incredible Lucille. job in Archer as Lucille well. Bluth. Lucille Bluth. Lucille Bluth. Yes. Absolutely. She's yeah. a single bite. Like, mm. One olive <laughs> and a bottle of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> they, in the, in the, uh, the NAD pod, not another D&D podcast, they have actually Caldwell Tanner DMs, uh, the, the show Trinivale in which, yeah. uh, most, two of the three characters only ever eat a single Butterfinger BB like per day, uh, <gasps> and cannot eat How anything dense. else. And oh it, no. It turns out it's because they have a parasite and it <gasps> actually becomes a plot point. Uh, but <laughs> it's like a running joke that they barely eat anything. Oh, no. Um, but anyway, it, yeah. also in Lord of the Rings, I mean, the first Lord of the Rings related book that I ever read was The Hobbit. And yeah. one of the opening scenes of The Hobbit is a huge meal, meal. where all the dwarves yeah. show up and bring their culture of eating into yeah. Bilbo's peaceful little Hobbit abode. Yeah. And I mean, that obviously is in the movie as well. They, uh, It's a very fun, very cartoony, silly scene. with the, yeah. But it's like you you gain a sense of their culture through their food and the, their eating habits. Yeah, I would also say that, like, you know, kudos to, to J.R.R. Tolkien for that, but also, you know, kudos to keeping that in the film because as a way of, like, bringing people to the quote-unquote proverbial campfire of storytelling, food's going to do it, my dude. There is one thing that we all need, food, water, love, and sometimes some sunshine, right? Mm -hmm. Like, food, water, shelter, love. Mm -hmm. Those are the things like we ultimately really need. And I find that food can sometimes even cover love. Mm. And sometimes when you don't have shelter, food is enough shelter. Because mm. when your stomach is, is, is well, uh, well coated, well laden with a good meal. Because mm. for me, like, um, I, I mean, you know, I've cooked a meal for you and um, uh, Jasper and Jade mm. when I was up in Manchester when we did our first recording. And for me, like, when it comes to cooking for people, people are always like, oh, um, is that about like, you know, getting compliments? I'm like, no, the greatest compliment is when the room goes silent and everyone's just eating. Mm -hmm. That's the sound I look for. Yeah. Is the absence of sound and just like, mm, 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 mm. Mm -hmm. that's all I want to hear. And I'm like, my work here is done. <laughs> you fade away. Yeah. Now I shall and pass I, I, into shadow. Shadow. And now I just fade out into the walls. My work here is done. Do you know what I mean? Because like, I think that, I think that there's so much that the human consciousness has to hold, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that like food really just grounds you back into your body. Like right now, downstairs, I have, um, yes, I'm veganish, but I'm cooking this lamb shoulder because 
I'm vegan for political reasons and I'm not going to throw away a lamb shoulder just because I've decided not to eat meat. I will eat it because I'm not going to let it go to waste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have got a, a, a lamb shoulder um, done in like pop on meat style um, that has now been slow cooking for about three and a half hours and mm. it's going to fall off the bone. And You're I'm so going to, and I've done it with like a beautiful traditional harissa paste. So do you want to, do you want me to talk you through the recipe? Because I took some pictures as well, and Please I'll be happy do. to share that. Yes. So what I started with was um, cutting the onions. Fuck onions. <laughs> Fuck onions. <laughs> Fuck them because they're they so integral. They do you know what I mean? Like they're so integral to every dish. Like dish. Like you look at any culture, whether you're like Eastern European, Italian. African, Asian, there is mm-hmm. going to be a point where you're cutting fucking onions in one form or another, whether it's brown onions, red onions, spring onions, and it's going to get in your eyes and that fucking like weird, like biohazardous shit is going to make you cry. But you know, if you're crying, it's good. So I, <laughs> I cut up something like six onions for this because it leans like quite a strong base. And then I had some shallots that I had cut up about, I don't know, two weeks ago that I'd frozen. And I chucked the rest of that in there. Chuck that in with some ginger, some garlic that I'd roughly roughly chopped. Then I had a spice mix that a friend of mine who's Israeli um, gave to me. She's lovely. Great, great GM. Uh, great GM and also a great cook. Um, she gave me this beautiful spice mix um, that I was like, oh, this is perfect for lamb. Chucked a bit of that in there. Um, I did three bay leaves. Um, on the side, I seared the front of the lamb shoulder and the back of the lamb shoulder. Then I sliced it through so it was easy to stir. Mm. Chucked that all in. Poured in three quarters of a bottle of like shit wine. Um, <laughs> but like it doesn't have to be good, right? Like, like the cheapest wine, like when I say, okay, let me be clear because it's like really cheap wine no one should be touching that for any reason Mm. but then there's also like cheap wine and you're like yeah i'll put that in there and it's fine and also like cheap is relative depending on where you are in the world and sometimes that's amazing especially with wine um but whatever like a decent cooking wine Mm -hmm. threw in a three quarters of a bottle of that then made a mix from an old um so i have a habit of keeping um parmesan rinds uh bones there's a section of our chest freezer with my housemates so they're like oh that's why literally it's just bones like chicken bones anything okay when like somebody like cooks something meat-based and they're like you know or the eat bones something add a meat-based. Lot. yeah they add a lot right yeah chuck that in there give it a bit more flavor um, Hy- what what is it? Ten thousand hyenas can't be wrong. Bones exactly. are great, man. Bones are great, right? And then, so what? What I tend to do is at least like once every two months. Um, it usually happens when I'm stressed because cooking calms me down. I will be like, okay, cool. I'm gonna take all of these bones: carrots, celery, onions, ginger, garlic, and depending on whether I want it to be a Eurocentric base or an Asian kind of base thing, mm. I will use olive oil or vegetable oil. Or um, sesame oil mm-hmm. as the base. And then my salt will change, whether I use normal salt, Himalayan salt, or soy sauce. That will mm. dictate, like, what I want to do. And then I'll freeze all of I will strain them all through fucking a, a pair of stockings that has now become my cooking stocking. <laughs> 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 because, like, who has the time to go find, like, you know, like, muslin? Like, you know what I mean? Like, who mm. has that time? If you've got a pair of stockings that you know are clean, just fucking use that. It's Okay. It's fine. These are some nobody cooking knows. hacks that we're getting right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, nobody knows. Like, no one's going to see you do that. No, so it's clean. 
<laughs> do your housemates not listen to this podcast? No, they do. And they see me straining fucking stock <laughs> They see a you removing the stockings. Yeah. And, and, then like, yeah. and, and, and they are there for it, my guy. As long as, like, um, it, it hasn't... You have to be, like, you have to make sure that, like, it hasn't been, like, dyed or treated in any, like, chemical substance. But mm. usually, like, a black stocking will work fine. Mm-hmm. Or, like, some cotton muslin or, like, mm. a dish towel that you want to, like, get rid of. And then strain that. So I had a bit of stock left over... Like, just like threw in like a massive, like half pound chunk of stock that was frozen and then boiling water over the top. And now I've just let it simmer. It's been simmering now for... You said three hours. Three hours. It's going to go for another two and a half. That sounds delicious. Until it comes off the bone. And then I'm going to do that with a crushed potato um, full of herbs, full of garlic, mm. full of pepper, full of salt. Like a lovely herby potato base that will cut through that harissa paste heat. Mm. And um, it's probably the wrong day to do it in the UK right now because right now it's fucking like 28 degrees. Um, <laughs> and I should and I should have just made a salad. Um, but like as a winter meal, banging. And like mm. it's one of those meals that you if you've got a if you've got a slow cooker, you can even you can even set it up in the morning, fuck off, go to work and come back, right? Mm -hmm. Um with a timer. But like I'm home today, so I'm just doing it in my big stock pot, and that's delicious. Um, and y'all should feed your people. And um, I will be recording my guests' reactions to the meal. Ooh, that's awesome. I'm glad. Um, okay, so here's my question. So yeah. you just gave us, I think, a truly delectable and detailed description of the technical process by which mm. you have created this uh, bodacious feast. But... Yeah. What would you say, from mm -hmm. both a cultural and personal standpoint, is the significance of cooking, uh, especially in this context, for other people? Okay, you're going to make me emotional, because I get really emotional about food. But I feel, that's why I like my favorite room it's in the, the house. It's the onions, don't worry about it, it's the onions. It's, it's the onions. My favorite room in the home is the kitchen, because... Um, and I can't speak for everyone, and slight trigger warning, but like... Even living in a home that may have had its issues, the kitchen was always sacred. Um, because no matter what you're going through, you need to eat. And the thing for me about food, and something that like I see a lot of in the D&D &D books, right? And there's actually quite a few like um, bard spells, ranger spells that are actually kind of geared to this, mm. um, where you can create a small fire. Mm -hmm. I would love like in game to have that moment where we all sit down, listen to the bar playing a song and we make a meal together. Um, mm. and there's something about, for me, especially there's something about food in that I, I can communicate fairly well. Um, because I'm an actress, but I really do actually struggle with communication. And what I find is that what I put on a plate for people is nourishment and love. And when I cook for people, I want them to eat and go, mm, thank you. Like, I want them to have that feeling of home, that feeling of safety, that feeling of care, compassion, that feeling of I can lay down whatever my worries are. And that's why, I mean, I did it for you guys mm -hmm. in, in because like when we first started the podcast, right? Like we like, yes, we knew each other, but we kind of barely knew each other. Yeah. And we literally met and recorded yeah. an episode. 
Yeah. So like when you we, and when I, I when specifically we, exactly yeah. So when we so when we went we met up in Manchester together, like you and Jasper had a rapport, and that's fine. Um, but like I was like, okay, cool. How do I do this? And like even before I'd gotten there, I was like, I'm gonna cook them a meal. Like I already knew. And I was like, this, I'm going to make this chicken recipe because it's just a recipe bangs, man. Like, there's no one who can eat this who doesn't fucking like it. Mm. Um, and it's kind of my way of saying, without having to say it, that I care about you. Mm. If I cook you food, it means I care about you. Um, and even in Southern Africa, like, I've heard, like, loads of, like, friends of mine talking about how across the classes, like... If somebody says to you, hey, do you want to come and share this sump and beans with me? Like, mm -hmm. that's a massive thing because that's what they have and that is what they share. So when, you know, like my friend who's coming over tonight to eat this meal, Safia, she's Desi. So I made sure that I upped the spice, right? Mm. Um, pump and up the spice. Pump up the spice. But like, I know that we're going to have a good evening because we're going to sit down. We're going to share a delicious meal. And there will be that moment of silence where you don't feel like you have to fill the space with words, mm -hmm. where you don't feel like you have to perform anything. All you have to do is just nourish yourself in my presence. And that's the most important thing for me is that everybody is nourished. And that spot, you know, that spot like inside of you when you eat a good meal and it feels good. Mm -hmm. Like if I can hit that spot, I'm like, phase out. <laughs> <laughs> Safia looks up. Unati? 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 Well, yeah. And like, I'm so looking forward to like cooking for you and Jer uh, for you and Jasper again. I'm so looking for forward to us like potentially being on the road one day. And I'm I'm Ooh. like, because also one of the things is like, I can cook in a kitchen, but I can also like cook with just fire and logs. Mm -hmm. You give me fire and logs and a cast iron pan. And even if you don't give me a cast iron pan, give me some sticks, whittle them down, or not even. I'll make it work. Mm. Also, I was raised to hunt as a, as, as, a, as a youngster. And hunt in the sort of like um, Nguni Southern African context in that like you don't take more than you need. You mm -hmm. take what you need. And when you get that thing, like for argument's sake, a buffalo, there is something in that process in that afterwards we had something ridiculous like like a like three quarters of a ton of meat, and it wasn't like oh we're just gonna keep this for ourselves no like um the kids were sent down to like run it down to aunts and uncles down the mountain like to other people who we knew that were hungry and didn't have like a lot of food um the hide was kept and cured um the hooves were then used and then like were cooked down to make like gum to to keep the some of the huts that were still built in the traditional style up and waterproof um mm -hmm. like all these weird sort of um not weird but very natural uh, cultural practices that are intersecting with an with a Western ideology, right? Mm -hmm. About what that is, a, a Western ideology in a post colonial country. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's the thing that I really want to kind of articulate in that I am vegan in Europe because fuck how we treat fuck that 
Like it's it's not the way. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say in contrast to what you were saying earlier about how in South Africa you use every single part of the animal, and also in contrast to the way that certainly Amer at least I was taught, and I think most American kids are taught the na- the Native Americans of the Great Plains used to treat yeah. bison, which is yeah. use the phrase use every part of the buffalo. Uh, yeah. And like, oh, we can use this as a tool here. We can use this to make our houses out yeah. of. We can use the meat to eat. All that, di- all those different things. In yeah. contrast to that, the way that, especially Americans, because I, mm. I, I feel like I haven't done that much research on the history of factory farming, but that mm. feels like something that Americans pioneered. <laughs> Just looking at it, it feels like it's something this that we feels pioneered. Right. This feels American. Yeah. Um, there is. Uh, <laughs> One of the greatest horror movies uh-huh. of all time, uh, mm-hmm. the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, uh, yes. The subtext of that movie mm-hmm. is uh, is uh, slaughterhousing, not specifically mm. factory farming, but the fact that so much of the movie takes place in a slaughterhouse, yeah. the fact that somebody's hung up on a meat hook. I'm not going to go into too much detail about this, but mm. there's a lot of that kind of imagery. imagery. I think Leatherface yeah. is wearing like an apron, like a, like a slaughterer's yeah. apron. Um, there is, and then of course the most horrifying sequence in the movie, one of the most horrifying sequences I've seen in any movie, the dinner table scene. Oh uh, yeah, that's fucking awful. It, it takes, I think there's something to be said for the representation of a dinner table as a place of connection and, yeah. and turning that into a place of terror. Yeah. Uh, it's, and that yeah. makes it feel all the more perverse. Yeah. Uh, Another uh, example of, well, I have uh, many other examples of food being used in a negative context in fiction. The uh, extremely notorious uh, Soylent Green, Mm -hmm. in which people are being used as food. You have the the weird bug meal stuff from Snowpiercer. Yeah. Uh, you can even go back all the way to Jonathan Swift with the mm-hmm. <laughs> modest proposal, uh, which is yeah. satirical, but satirically suggesting eating, uh, I believe, children uh, yeah. in order to solve food shortages. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, like, as a black person, there's the idea of food. Well, and it's, it exists in every culture, but food can mm-hmm. also very much be a class signifier. And yeah. if you if you are as a, a black person who are descended from slaves... Your ancestors most likely were forced to eat uh, food items like the the parts of the pig and parts of the animal that yeah. white people would not eat, or at least the wealthier like white people would not. Right? Like exactly. Chitlings. Chitlings, like amatumbu. Like we call it amatumbu. Like you yeah. know the, the intestines, right? And the thing is, like even with that adversity, even with how like undesirable offal is, right? Mm-hmm. African or uh, previously disadvantaged peoples will always find a way to make that shit taste good. And it yeah. comes down to your fucking seasoning. It becomes part of your culture. Yeah. It becomes like, yeah. oh, no, we we do this and we do it good. It is 100% a big part this of the culture. This was supposed to be wholesome. <laughs> I mean, No, I think a lot of this no, is very wholesome. wholesome. Yeah, it's wholesome. Uh, it's wholesome. I'm, I'm going to bring it mm. back now to some more positive depictions yeah, of cool. food in yeah. fiction. Uh, yeah. I think one of the immediate things when you think of nerd ephemera and food that comes to mind are the films of Hayao Miyazaki. Oh, yes. I have literally planned my entire Japan three month trip around Hayao Miyazaki and the villages where all of his films are set and mm. the food. Um, there is like, I just 
Yeah, it, it's beautiful, right? Like anime yeah. food. It's oh. it's on, well, especially in his movies. Like yeah. it's unreal. And I actually have an article that talks about this. Cool. This is by the Nerdist. Uh, yeah. So there is a uh, they interviewed. Uh, let me see if I could. Yes, uh, this mm-hmm. was this was uh, the producer Toshio Suzuki was answering fan questions on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Apparently this this uh, this article is drawing information from uh, Kotaku, the website Kotaku. But yeah. one of the questions included how uh, Studio Ghibli food has always looked so good, and Suzuki said it's because Miyazaki has actually cooked those dishes on his own. Um, yeah. A lot of times, these are things that he has prepared in his own kitchen, and in some cases, it's stuff that he has prepared for the crew as they're working on his films. He mm. is uh, an, a notorious, uh, he's notoriously exacting and involved in the process of making his movies, every single frame of the film. I absolutely get that, because like... If you're gonna if you're gonna ask people to animate something, they have to know how it tastes, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have to know how it tastes, and I, I feel like uh, alternate world, different timeline. But I feel like if Miyazaki put like a perfect bow bun in front of me, I would die. Mm. I'd be like ah, ascended, like wow, the right level of dough and filling uh, mm-hmm. steam well perfect. and you look at the the food in his movies and i have to say i think i may have misread but i'm not sure that he cooked all of these specifically for the crew but he has cooked mm-hmm. these and the, the the food in his movies consistently i think represent a wholesome togetherness a beauty uh, a warmth uh yeah. off like very they're a very positive force in a lot yeah. of his in a lot of his movies. I mean, like, if you look at, like, Culsifer, like, when, when that breakfast is being made in Howl's Moving Castle, the sizzle on that bacon is perfect. <laughs> like, the way the eggs crack in is perfect. It's it's exactly the sound, it's exactly the bubble that you mm-hmm. anticipate when you're making, like, a breakfast brunch. Another very, very famous, I guess less famous than Hayao Miyazaki movies, yeah. but still very good, uh, is the Redwall series. Yeah. I don't know, uh, t- for those of you who grew up, I grew up reading those books. For those of you who didn't, Redwall, the Redwall books are a series of um, yeah. sort of medieval English fantasy books about yeah. anthropomorph- anthropomorphic animals. Um, okay. So mainly centered around an abbey called Redwall Abbey. Uh, okay. And there are the author, Brian Jakes, which it's spelled as though it would be pronounced Jacques, but he always yeah. pronounced it Jakes in the TV show. But okay. uh, there are these in almost every book extensive descriptions of what these people are eating. Um, Here's an example. There's uh, in Mariel of Redwall, there's uh, it's, which is one of the books uh, in the series. There Mm -hmm. is three pages of people describing the food they've encountered. Now these are kids books, folks. These are children's books. And this man took three straight pages out of a kid's book to describe turnip, potato, beetroot pie, cold, fizzy, strawberry cordial, uh, damson short crust and cream, cow's mm. lip and per, uh, parsley liquor, brown ale, mm. cheese and mushroom pa- pas- uh, pasties, Ooh. pasties, and nut br- 
bread cake iced with clover honey. Uh, <gasps> they, he I'm going to make nut bread cake with clover honey. He goes, oh my God, I'm going to make that. Dude. This is a that. whole article that lists the seven best feasts from the Redwall books. Uh, uh, oh, there's a quote wow. from the very first book. Uh, yeah. Bring the white gooseberry wine. Fetch me some rosemary, mm. thyme, beech nuts, and honey quickly. And now, friends, uh, he squeaked, waving a dandelion wildly with his tail. I, Hugo, will create a grayling a la Redwall, such as will melt in the mouth of mice. Fresh cream. I need lots of fresh cream. Bring some mint leaves, too. Like, it's, it's the very first feast that we fresh get in the book. Fresh cream, books. mint leaves. It sounds like a banging feast. You know what I mean? Yes. And and in it's similar to, I think, the way that Miyazaki uses mm. food in his movies. The... Mm. Uh, the Redwall series, especially Redwall Abbey, is represented as yeah. a place of goodness and kindness yeah. and healing yeah. and yeah. safety. And mm. many of the books center around that safety being threatened, uh, mm. you, typically by outside forces. And mm. when they have these feasts, they are like a manifestation of the positivity and love that the, yeah. the, the animals there have towards each other and towards yeah. their guests. Yeah. <clears throat> this is this is easily an exp- like Hugo is is, is, is this is using this is like an expression of himself uh it feels like an expression of the positive feelings that he has towards other people and the whole series has that yeah because i think like yeah like like food is so intrinsic and i think because i mean if i bring it back sort of like a little bit to myself like um when it comes to food if somebody says to me oh fuck i'm feeling really unwell i'm low energy i'm the first like i'm the first person to go right so do you like chicken soup or vegetable soup are you vegan are you meat eater (laughs) and i will literally cook you soup and also this goes back to the guy who broke my heart at a christmas market oh no i made him soup this HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. 
Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I pulled out a fucking Cornish hen from my freezer and in and in four and a half hours turned him over a fresh chicken soup and I put it in my best Tupperware and I am yet to receive that Tupperware back and I'm vexed about it. And he tried to keep my fucking comic books after that, but my friends went to go get them. Bruh. I'm not a fan of this guy. Rude. Rude. If you're listening, rude. You need to uh, respect the Cornish hen. You need to respect the Cornish hen. But I said, like, you know, if somebody says, I'm going to cook you chicken, be like, babe, we're not like that. And then I won't. Don't, like, let me cook you a chicken soup. I make it from scratch. From scratch. From scratch. Jeremy, scratch. Scratch. I, I roasted the chicken. For three From hours scratch. until it came off the bone From and then used scratch. roast chicken into the soup. Disgusting. It's rude. I mean, delicious, but it's disgusting. His behavior is disgusting. 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 Uh, Continue. Speaking Sorry. of disgusting. That was me like leaning into past traumas. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of disgusting. Uh, yeah. Welcome to three black therapists. Um, so the uh, another example of yeah. a, a writer who spends a whole lot of time on food descriptions. I have not read the series myself. But the the Song of Ice and Fire series by George R.R. Yeah. R. Martin is notorious yeah. for having extremely detailed descriptions of the food. Um, now, I'm sure he picked up from Gerald Tolkien, right? Like quite possibly, quite possibly, I could believe it. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But it's I think uh, in in that series, it also seems to be like a similar thing, like an expression of the pleasure uh, that these yeah. people are taking okay. in the stuff yeah. that they're making. Uh, and yeah. eating that yeah. goes well beyond simply utilitarian uses. Yeah, no, for sure. Cause like, I feel like narratively you can, um, give off so much information, like, um, like from like a DM context, like, you know, if somebody offers you like a humble hunk of soldier's bread, mm-hmm. you know who you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And if like, that's like in like a wartime torn scenario, depending on the game you're running, like if a peasant gives you their last hunk of bread, mm-hmm. you know, they really care about you. Yep. But like, if you're going to like a palace and some, like you could then discuss like the hedonism, like the, mm-hmm. the, 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 um, uh, what's the word I'm looking the, for? Um, I had it too. The D, it starts with a D. Yeah, it does start with a D. The D, D, not delinquency, uh, not delicacy. See, uh, something. Not it's delectability. The, um, it's, um, anyway, we'll find it. Yeah. Okay. There yeah, you go. we'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes, I'm I'm right there with you. Debauchery. Yes, debauchery. Three of like the overconsumption. Mm-hmm. Like it's that it's that fake Marie Antoinette quote, like let them eat cake. First mm-hmm. of all, she didn't say that. She also fucking spoke French. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like that idea of like um, excess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's a reason that most, like that's a huge part of uh, most people's idea of the Middle Ages, specifically mm. the rich people in the Middle Ages. And there's a big reason why one of the stereotypical things, I've never been to a Ren Fair, but whenever I see them depicted, there's always mm. the big feast area where people yeah. are like having the turkey legs, like, ah, yeah. yeah. And you always yeah. see Henry VIII depicted as like just surrounded by food uh, yeah. and, and bringing it back to D and D, which I think does, I think D&D largely fails to capitalize on the aspects of food and eating that we are talking about, yeah. but there is a reason 
why the okay. most stereotypical starting location for a D&D game is that you all meet in a meet tavern. Tavern. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because you all got to eat. <laughs> exactly. And imbibe. And also, if you're looking at those times, the water is not safe, my dude. So you're drinking pints. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There now that brings us now to specific manifestations of food in Dungeons and Dragons. Awesome. And what's interesting about it, and food and drink, I'm mm-hmm. including drink in this. What's interesting mm. about it is in the majority of the cases, these food items don't have like major implications mechanically. You are not mechanically rewarded for yeah. cooking or eating food. Yeah. Uh, instead, it, when we talk about spells mm-hmm. to deal with food, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they are, for the most part, ways to get around having to deal with food. Yeah, no, for sure. But also, uh, J- Jeremy, I know you're on a train of thought, but I would just mm. like to interject and just touch on our home game. Mm-hmm. I have played with you and I have role played my character's ability to cook because I run the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the game that the I was game, talking about earlier that we threw yeah, away. Yeah, yeah no, it's come back, right? Like a boomerang. I feel like you have rewarded me mm. for using food. I feel like when I, when we got um, uh, uh, Ryan's first character, well, one of the game players' characters. <laughs> one of the. I mean, on, we've talked about cut Ryan. around this. One of the game players' characters. We've talked um, about Ryan numerous we've talked times. About Ryan. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> He's been on the show, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, um, uh, his Phoenix character. Mm-hmm. Um, like I managed to steal, well, not steal, but at least blag. Fleece. I don't know, like fleece. Yeah, fleeced him. Many gold fucking coins out of him on the basis that <laughs> I fed him right. Thousands. Thousands. Because <laughs> I fed him right and I gave him enough drink, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I think that, like, it can exist, no? Yeah. It. Oh, it 100% can. Yeah. I'm so, I'm simply saying that so far it hasn't. And I think that's due to D&Ds in this in current, in fifth edition, at least. It doesn't typically. Uh, so you have create food and water. Uh, which explicitly says you could you could create forty five pounds of food and thirty gallons of water on the ground or yeah. in containers, uh, and they last for twenty four. It can basically feed a lot of people, but it's bland but nourishing, and it spoils yeah. if uneaten after twenty four hours. Yeah. Um, okay. That's fine. Okay. There's also purify food and drink. Uh, yeah. uh, create food and water Could is a very third, useful. Yeah, third level spell. Purify food and yeah. drink. First level spell. I there's detect poison and disease, which could easily yeah. be used on food. The classic spell, the food based spell that everybody uses, is good berry. Yeah, uh, Goodberry. which basically yes. eliminates all the need. All of these have been in my home game. Yay! Yes. I know all of these, uh, <laughs> and it mostly eliminates the the need. To make food. Uh, it's, a, yeah. it's a survival tool. Yeah. Um, and then you have, I would say, the only spell that I am mm-hmm. that I thought of in, in preparation for this episode that mm. specifically d- d- uh, depicts food as a really positive way of mm-hmm. connecting with people uh, is mm-hmm. the spell Hero's Feast. It's a okay. sixth level spell. I'll read you the language of the spell. Uh, it's conjuration, it. so you're creating food. It takes yeah. ten minutes to cast. And you bring forth a great feast, including magnificent food and drink. The feast takes one hour to consume and disappears at the end of that time. And the beneficial effects don't set in until this hour is over. Up to mm-hmm. twelve creatures can partake of the feast. So you can make okay. this for you and your whole party and then Honey. some. And then some, yeah. Uh, a creature that partakes of the feast gains several benefits. The creature is mm-hmm. cured of all diseases <gasps> and poison. They become <gasps> immune to poison and being frightened. That's so useful. They make all wisdom saving throws with advantage. <gasps> its hit point maximum also increases by 2d10. 
and it gains the same number of hit points. These benefits last for 24 hours. What spell is this? Hero's Feast. Okay, Norma needs it. I'm sorry. It's, uh, look, it's a sixth, clerics get it, actually. It's a sixth level spell. Uh, mm-hmm. Clerics and druids get it. If, we'll if get you, there. If you play with spell, yes, if you play with spell components, uh, one of yeah. the spells, the reason that you can't just spam this spell in most campaigns yeah. is that it's, uh, you have to use a gem-encrusted bowl worth at least 1,000 gold pieces, which the spell consumes. So, if you play with spell components, which a lot of campaigns don't, uh, and, but if you do, then that would be one limit on Heroes Feast, but that mm. actually hits on a lot of what we've talked about. I about, really yeah, right? like the, that like spell. All of it, right? Yeah. Like it's about that's what it's about. It's about healing, nurturing, bringing people closer. Yeah, and like making you stronger. It, making you stronger and like also like I suppose you could kind of talk with your DM like in game like let's say like you've got like one of your NPCs that isn't really on your side like what because as me as a player who loves to make characters who always cook <laughs> I'm interested in can I turn this person to my side if I make them the perfect steak <laughs> like the perfect steak the perfect <laughs> fucking like potatoes right I mean like you gotta love someone who feeds you, right? Like, I mean, come on, like that's got at least that's got at least give me advantage on the roll, right? Well, you, like, yeah, I would think in a lot of cases if it's good <laughs> enough. And well, the, and this actually gets at something that I think we haven't quite talked about, which is the mm. therapeutic aspect of food, because it now oh, makes yeah. you immune to being frightened, and you now make wisdom yeah. saving throws with advantage. So it has yeah. bolstered Those, your yeah. bo- your uh, it's bolstered your mind and emotions. Yeah. Exactly, because like when you're hungry, we all know when you're hungry, you can't think straight, right? Mm-hmm. You can't think straight. You're not new. You're not um, you when you when you're hungry. Hungry, yeah. Oh, I know. Um, I get hangry. Uh, um, I'm lucky enough to have a partner who just knows. Like, here's a snack. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> just a constant like, supply he of snacks. Just knows. Just, in case. He just has snacks. It's like here, here you go. A hand extends into frame <laughs> wordlessly, and I'm like, uh, uh, and wow. then I just go, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> cool. I'm better now. Sorry. The hand pats you on the head and then withdraws. <laughs> yeah, and then withdraws and goes away. <laughs> like it's it's good. He was literally here the last time we were doing a um a, a live action <laughs> so play. That weird. Yeah, he was just a person. There was no introduction. There's just a person sitting in the background for the whole game. (laughs) I know, but he was wearing headphones. I I didn't like make a thing of introducing him. We're playing this game, and it's just like, who is that? Nat's my boyfriend. But anyway, this is not part of the episode. But also like wholesome, and he also feeds me really well. Keep it in. Keep it in. He feeds me really, really well. And I feed him really, really well. Uh, the other day, shout I out. made... If he ever listens to this show, shout out. <laughs> yeah, I made a pasta sauce the other day. That night, actually, I'd made a pasta sauce. Okay, cool. Are you guys ready for another recipe? Mm. So, cool. Get your biggest roasting tray, right? The one that fits into your oven, like, perfectly. Line that with foil, but make sure that it's not going over the edges. Otherwise, it's going to be tricky to get it through the slats when you're putting it in. Then... Um, tomatoes, whatever kind of big sort of like fist sized tomatoes you can find. Doesn't really matter what kind there are because we're going to slow roast them. If you can get heritage tomatoes, go for that. So mm. get your tomatoes, cut, like take off the stems, cut them in half, quarters, whatever you want to do. Um, try and see if you can get like a, a mix, but like if you can't like get bougie tomatoes, doesn't matter. Like a handful of like really lovely, like normal fucking tomatoes are fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're good because we're going to bring the flavors out with. You take your garlic. So about like three heads of garlic, cut them down the middle with a sharp knife so that they open up and then you 
so you arrange your tomatoes right in the thing and then you arrange your garlic around that mm-hmm. then some red peppers sweet bell peppers like the long ones if you can't get those um any will suffice just make sure it's red or yellow because green have a slightly acrid taste slice them down the middle take out the pips cut them into nice big chunks so that they're in the in the baking tray as well then take three red onions or enough red onions to cover the rest of the space then cover that in fresh thyme leaves um a, a, a good handful of roughly coarsely chopped flat leaf parsley throw that over the top um then drizzle that with a healthy serving of olive oil two tablespoons of balsamic vinegar and then whatever shit wine you have hanging in the cupboard mm. take that pour it over it so there's like a little bit of water at the base then slow grill them so what you want to do is you want to heat your oven up to at least 180 to 200 degrees celsius um and then get them in there yeah mm-hmm. once they're in there for half an hour then drop the heat to like I don't know, I'd say like 120 Mm. and then cook them like that for as long as you fucking like. And as long as they go like a bit like soft Um, for extra flavor uh, for 30 minutes at the end. This is not compulsory, but for 30 minutes at the end, bang the heat up on high and really watch it so that you're not burning them. But you want to get a little bit of caramelization because that's going to give you flavor. Then when you've got that, you pull that out. You take out the, the, the garlic thing, because at this point you can just literally squeeze the roasted fresh garlic out of that. Mm. You squeeze all of that out. You've got the herbs in there, all that. You take all of that, you put it into a pot. Then you pour the rest of that bottle of wine into the pot. Some vegetable stock. Mm-hmm. And you let that simmer down and reduce. Um, and then you throw in some more fresh leaf parsley. You've got your fresh basil on the side. It's not necessary. If you've got like that, like, you know, dried pizza um, seasoning, that works fucking too. Mm. Put that in. Make a, like a big bowl of spaghetti, olive oil. Put that in. Put it aside. And just put that like thick unctuous tomato sauce on the top and honestly if you've got parmigiana and reggiana you can but if all you have is cheddar or like american cheese doesn't matter a little bit of cheese on the top is good i'm like trying to hit every budget and every price point mm-hmm. here um uh yeah throw that on the top and you've got a banging nutritious sauce like bang it there you go that's i think a very useful uh segment right there um but like again in contrast to the very detailed and i would argue uh sort of like sumptuous sumptuous would we say that it was, there was sensual. A, sensual. Sensual. Because, because for in me, food is sensual. In contrast it's to the sensual. sensual description that you just heard <laughs> from Lottie, In contrast uh, to the sensual description. Yeah, what the Player's Handbook says about food and water. Characters okay, who don't eat or drink suffer the effects mm-hmm. of exhaustion. Oh, exhaustion caused by lack of food or water can't be removed until the character eats and drinks the full required amount. Now, if that's yes. not a delicious description of eating I don't know and what is. My goodness. I don't know what is. Oh, my God. Listen to that voice. A character needs at least one pound of food per day and can f- make food last longer by subsisting on half rations. I'm not going to read all of this, but we start talking about specific uh, constitution scores, uh, mm-hmm. how long a person can survive without eating uh, yeah. how, and how long they can survive without drinking, the saving throws involved. And while mm-hmm. I appreciate that from a mechanical standpoint... What you're telling me is the benefit to eating food is not dying. 
The as opposed yeah. to in real <laughs> life, where while that is one of the primary benefits of eating, we have acknowledged there are many other uses of eating and cooking and sharing food with people that yeah. are not acknowledged by these core rules. Exactly. Because uh, like right now in like off the top of my head, the peace cleric, I think from Tasha's Court and Everything mm-hmm. comes to mind. And I love how that cleric has been written out. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I would love a component about like food because nothing makes people calm the fuck down than a good meal. I wonder, you know I, mean? I wonder if, if, uh, Dungeons and Dragons was created by an like a culture other than that other than American cu- culture that mm-hmm. specifically prized eating and like that was like a huge part of the culture. So, for example, mm-hmm. let's say some South African peeps made this game. Yeah. I imagine that while it wouldn't be just a food based game, food and the interaction of food and animals and so on and so forth would probably be a much larger component. A way larger component. And I think that, like, um, I think it kind of exists in what God do, but yes. because of how we've been playing it. Like, it really does. It's it like, does. It is it's in there. the rules. You, you're not supposed to kill things. There's rules yeah. specifically about hunting. Hunting, yeah. And I think, and and what, look, I get annoyed with, like, encumbrance rules. Like, of course, mm. as a DM, I'm like, fuck that. Like, I can't be asked. Like, <laughs> of all the, like, I hate math already. It's such an annoying thing to keep track of sometimes. That I'm like, I don't give a fuck about that. But if you were building a game with people who were down to be like, and you said like, hey, like I'm down to explore like what food means in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, then, and like not in like a crown of candy kind of way, which is brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant. But like, I mean, like really like in a sustenance way and what that could do. Like if I think about, like if, let me just think about like a staple food, like ipapa. Like th- for me, that would be like, um like a buff and it would give you plus like one to your constitution if you had a baba because like that thing like gives you it's fuel man it's like it's it's full carbs and like you're sorted for the next like you could run i don't know 30 miles um and then like if you got managed to get like ipapa and then unembuzi like you've also like hunted something down oh that would like give you more and now i'm starting to think about implementing this into my home game because they gotta eat Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they have to eat, and that's very intrinsic to African culture. And also, okay, cool. Over and above that, like, because I can only speak about my culture, but like burial rituals, mm. um, spells, food is so important. Like the 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 presence of um sorghum beer um is is prolific. You 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 can't speak to the ancestors without it. You 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 can't like make offerings without it. Like that, you have to make sorghum beer. You have to make umboti. Like if you don't have umboti, you can't even make those connections, right? Because the 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 ancestors must receive their libation, and it comes from umboti, and then a little bit of a little bit of uh, a baba, and and if you've got it, a bit of meat mm-hmm. that might just like tip you over. If you've got like a little bit of meat. So what you're saying is like again, the, like food would, uh, for example, some of the, some of the resurrection spells and uh, other like speak with dead and things like that mm-hmm. uh, could potentially, if you were going to homebrew something, you could include yeah. food as one of the necessary components, ceremonial yeah, components. Like, yeah. So like, let's say like like a resurrection spell, I would be like linking it back and bear in mind, like, please don't come for me. But if so if you do come for me, please give me more information. I'm always open to that. Um, but like, I would like make it in this way and that like, 
sometimes in in Guni tribe cultures, if the if the if the beast cries out, it's it can be a bad omen, it can be a good omen, depending on what the fuck is going on, right? Mm-hmm. So if I was trying to homebrew it into something, I would say that um, there would be a role as to whether the beast bellowed, and if the beast bellows, they come back. If they don't, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is not about you harming it. It's about the beast choosing to better because I have seen, I've been to many funerals back home in my, in my life and in my tribe. Um, And at no point was the animal treated differently, whether there was a bellow or not. And that's why spiritually as a people, we hold that because if the beast bellowed, it chose to. Hmm. And depending on what you're trying to do, that is a good omen or bad omen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so if you wanna if you wanna homebrew that, that could be interesting, like a role, you know, seeing how that like plays out. Yeah. And then dictating what that means. I think that'd be day. really a really interesting way of approaching that. Yeah. Uh and I think that's one of the major themes of food related items in DD is that mm. they don't usually have much of a mechanical benefit beyond mm. simply keeping you alive. So, like the bag of bounty, you can you, it basically lets you cast, uh, create food yeah. and water, uh, and g- draw a feast, and then you uh, have to roll to try and make better food from the bag. But there's yeah. n- there's no mechanical benefit to this intrinsically. Um, there's also, yeah. of course, H- uh, Heward's handy spice pouch. No, yeah. there is no mechanical benefit for putting spice in your food. It's it, it's all uh, pun fully intended flavor. However, like. I mean, like how I said, like you could use it in battle. You can absolutely, but I, basically, what I'm yeah. trying to say is that uh, there. I think it would be cool. Uh, I would encourage people in their games to think about if, like, making food a slightly more uh, pr- uh, present, a slightly more what is it? Uh, slightly more front and center element. Uh, but, yeah. It's obviously you don't need to be running a full food campaign, but yeah, but like. Talk about it. Like, just yeah. be like, hey, if food did this thing, what would that mean mechanically for people? Yeah. There's the dust of deliciousness, because, which I think yeah. is actually really useful. Which, oh, yeah? Uh, Go ahead. That one, it, this one's cool because it, it was responsible mm-hmm. for one of the most iconic moments, I think, in campaign two of Critical Role. There, mm-hmm. it's, it's a dust that you can sprinkle over any edible substance to improve the flavor. But anyone who eats food that has been treated with this dust mm-hmm. has disadvantage on wisdom ability checks and oh. wisdom saving throws for one hour. And there's enough dust okay. to flavor six servings. So, I mean, that would be an example of yeah. tr- you trying to affect someone, potentially, yeah. Uh, yeah. because this is so good. They're just like, oh, man. Whoa. Oh, they, they, you, all yeah. you can focus on is how tasty this food is. Your yeah. mind just goes away. I think that yeah. that is a really interesting element. And then um, let me see here. The other thing is uh, the amulet of the drunkard. Uh, that one, both of these, interestingly, I'm pretty sure are from Wildmount. I think both of these are yeah. critical role or original items. Uh, the Amulet of the Drunkard, when you, well, while wearing it, you can regain 4d4 plus 4 hit points when you, mm-hmm. uh, drink a pint of beer, ale, mead, or wine. Uh, oh. and you could do this once per day. So that's, that actually gives you mechanical benefits from consuming, in this case, alcohol. But yeah. I think... 
and finally, actually, the, the, the thing that this is relevant directly to your character, Noma, because we recently decided yeah. that it's like it's ridiculous that you don't have this, is the yeah. chef, feet chef feet from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Yes, yes. Uh, which lets you uh, increase your constitution or wisdom score mm-hmm. by one to a max of 20. You gain mm-hmm. proficiency with cook's utensils if you don't already have it. And as part of a short rest, you can cook special food, uh, provided you have ingredients and cook's utensils. Uh, you can prepare enough for a number of creatures equal to four plus your proficiency bonus and at the end of the short rest any creature who eats the food and spends one or more hit dice to regain hit points ex- or regains an extra 1d8 and also also uh you can create uh, at the end of a with one hour of work or when you finish a long rest you can create a number of treats equal to your proficiency bonus <gasps> that last for eight hours after being made and a creature can use a bonus action to eat a treat to gain 10 hit points equal to your proficiency bonus so actually yes. not a bad sweet feat. potato pie not a bad feat sweet potato pie exactly you could have little uh you could have jalapeno poppers you're just handing exactly. out to people you know I mean? as a bonus yeah. action you eat a jalapeno popper and regain uh, so i mean like I mean, like, you're my DM, so, like, saying this out loud to you is a bit, like, weird, but, like, I know exactly what I'm going to do when it comes to that. <laughs> when it comes to that street party, mm. I'm ready. Yeah. I think that it would be cool, especially in a setting like Wagadu, to yeah. have a cooking-based subclass. Yeah. You must. Like, just just the woman who beat, like, who beat the the, se- the seeds and the pulses for making the sorghum. Like... Mm. How they're revered in our culture, like that's a revered job. Like, and uh, and hospitality and, uh, and, domain cleric. Yeah, so I think that's really really exciting. Yeah. Uh, on uh, Jeremy, I was like coming on here thinking I'm just going to talk about like what I cooked today, and now you've just like schooled me, and I love having conversations with you because I've learned a whole bunch. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it's great. Like you're like the amazing. Like Jeremy is like. Oh, um, the Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> nicer than Neil deGrasse Tyson. That yeah, dude's a yeah, little yeah. bit of a jerk. Yeah, he, well, I mean, I only know him in passing, but like, yeah. Have you're you not met a jerk. Him? No. Oh, okay. When you said you know him in passing, I was like, you know Neil deGrasse Tyson? No, 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 no. And not like that. I know, I like, I know some people, but not Neil deGrasse right. Tyson. Um, but yeah, I feel like you just always bring the knowledge, man. Thank you. Always bring, you're always bringing the source. And I would encourage all of you, our listeners, if you come up with the Jeremy Cobb sauce, I will cook it Ooh. and make Jeremy Cobb eat it. Ooh, yes. Uh, okay, a couple of restrictions on this. I am allergic <laughs> to some nuts. Oh, yes. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, like <laughs> yeah. almonds, uh, cashews, I won't kill him, I walnuts. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not allergic to peanuts, but I feel like it's probably best to avoid nuts in yeah. general, if possible. Yeah. And yeah. I, d- I really have a rough time with fish. I cannot, I can't, uh, fish, it, if I'm in the same room as fish being cooked, I usually need to leave the room. Uh, seafood and I really don't mix very well. But outside of that... Uh, so I'm never going to make you a clam chowder. Yeah, like try not, yeah, don't yeah. make a clam chowder, don't make some, yeah, don't make seafood based, and don't make something that's nut based. But outside of that, go crazy. Yeah, um, I'm putting it out there, like if you come up with like, hang on, let's do this, because I've seen it done on a couple of cooking shows. You give me three ingredients and I'll make Jeremy lose his words. Ooh. I will render Jeremy silent with the dish. Whoa. That is a challenge. 
We got uh, well. I guess this would would this be on Patreon? This would be a Patreon exclusive. Yeah, I think. Of course, I think it would be a Patreon exclusive. You've got to come behind the veil, my yeah. dudes. Come behind the veil to see to see me shut Jeremy the fuck up in the most loving way possible. Because I adore him. I adore him and I want him to always keep talking. I learn so much. But let's see if I can shut Jeremy the fuck up. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Shut me up. Uh, so... Uh, I think that pretty much covers the one last thing actually that I thought I would throw out there just because I, yeah, I would be remiss if course. I didn't mention this because I think it's awesome yeah. is yeah. the in the Hitchhiker's Guide series yeah. um, the the I think it's uh, maybe when they go to the restaurant at the end of the world but uh-huh. they the Amelian major cow was uh-huh. a species of cow that people created uh-huh. that <gasps> wanted to be eaten so they felt like it was inhumane to kill and eat animals uh, that didn't uh, want to die. He's such an amazing round writer, right? Yeah, because it's like, is that actually a humane thing? Uh, I guess on that note... <laughs> on, on, on that lovely, weird oh. note... Um, oh, wait, please. wait, I, oh, have yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I have a tale from the table. Oh, yes, go for it. I got it. Yes. You were here for this, Unati. It's from okay, the cool. most recent, it's most recent session. From the most recent session <laughs> sure. that we had. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. The, the very game in which you play uh, uh-huh. Nomam Tunzi, the, yes. the individual who, ha- the character who has the, the chef feet that we were just talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, in this session, the players, now I, I, we've talked before about the race chart that mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. And uh the it usually produces just really cool like you know interesting it's like oh it just mixes things up and there's a there's oh, possibility God. Oh we're going to talk po- about this thing. <laughs> no! <laughs> there's the possibility for a hybrid individual a <laughs> uh, combination of two different uh mm-hmm. D&D races. Normally you'll get stuff like oh half hobgoblin half fear mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like something like that. Um, mm-hmm. we did have a dwarf fear bulg, uh, named Mittens. Uh, oh, I love Mittens. Mittens is great. Yeah, Mittens is great. Um, Mittens is nonverbal, speaks using sign language, and just has an awesome time, uh, cooking the food. Tenderizing uh, yeah, te- meat. Yeah, Mittens meat is ten- the beastly ten- meat, meat tenderizer. Meat the best tenderizer. meat tenderizer back there. Mittens is yeah. awesome. Um, but... They went to this facility yeah. and met with this guy. His name is Dr. Jamad Lawrence. No. And we rolled for Dr. Jamad Lawrence's no. race. And we landed on hybrid. And we oh ended God, up I had forgotten about with this. a half rabbit folk, half Lokatha man. <laughs> Uh, Lokatha, for those of you who are not familiar with this race, is a fish. A fish person. So this is a half rabbit, half fish who runs this uh, research center. He's, yeah, I'll read you the description. He has bunny ears. Uh, but oh, his face Jesus is covered in scales, Christ. and he has no! the bulging fish Night eyes like that sit kind of partly outside of his head. Uh, he has <laughs> webbed paws with weird little fishy fin extensions, like his the webbing in between his his finger his paw fingers is long enough that it just sort of sits up when his fingers are together. He has a little catfish Ew. mustache. I didn't know that. Uh, oh God, they're making it worse. He has lionfish spines on his back, but at the end. End of every oh, single God. spine so is a little intense. fluffy bunny rabbit tail. Uh, and he has these fin feet that are attached to rabbit legs. 
Um, he also has uh, he has fish lips, so he has like the permanent goldfish kissy face that's kind of open, but inside you can see rabbit teeth. No, uh, and he has he has gills that only open occasionally, and he is always always moist. Okay, cool. So, um, Jeremy, if we manage to defeat this person, I will get a very small tattoo, like, on the inside of my thigh of this creature. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks! Udanti has agreed to I've, get I've, the most horrific I've tattoo. My, I've had my first tattoo, so, like, I've broken the seal, so, like, <laughs> the fuck it. The floodgates have opened. It <laughs> it's like, whatever, season. I'll put that on my body. <laughs> and what a terrible way to commemorate this game that we have shared together. It's with the but single most was, horrific all, NPC yeah, I've ever it'll created. Also, it'll also be beautiful, and you will know how much I suffered and learned to get it put on my body. <laughs> oh, and it also his, his, his voice. Hello. This is oh, how he no. talks. No. No. <laughs> He's this doctor who's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. <laughs> you enjoyed this episode and wish to uh, follow us oh, on social media. You can follow oh, yes. us at TB Halflings on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And we also have a Patreon, Three Black Halflings on Patreon. We are actually in the process of revamping it. I think it's going to be announced very soon what the revamped Patreon will look like, the benefits. But uh, it's a great time. And come to the Discord. We have a Discord. Uh, Three Black Halflings Discord. We got mods recently. Shout out to the mods. Okay, gang. And on that fucking nightmare fuel note, uh, we hope you are loving, living, happy, and joyous. We hope that you have got like um, sugar, like, you know, candy cane frosting around your lips, or you got like buffalo wing sauce on your fingers, or you've got like, you know, beautiful like soy sauce while you were making your dumplings on your hands. Um, we hope you are eating your thrice and you're doing really well and so long shire folk so long shire folk That was a HeadGum Podcast.